I often like to start with a rather provocative question. And this is the one I have for us today. Are your words making a difference in the world? Are your words making a difference in the world? And if so, with who? What would it take to be heard more fully? And if what we are saying is not having the impact we would like, then this episode of Poetry, Gossip, and the Pursuit of Pleasure may just be for you. Uh, This is a podcast, as you know, that's dedicated to using poetry in practical ways in our everyday lives. So, let's jump right into the poem today. It's called, A Workshop on Being Heard. A Workshop on Being Heard. And we're going to get right into the first lines. When others ignore us, when others ignore us, it's tempting to speak louder or faster. Unheard, unheard, we grow distressed, more shrill, more shrill in our thinking, telling. But the eardrum, that tender receiver, I mean, damages easily. And when the muscle for alarm in others gets overwhelmed by a sudden weight, it can cramp, then fail from constant use. At other times, when ignored, we may shrink and fall away, cleaved, cleaved to our darkest visions, yes, and common insecurities. That place where the mind's unhelpful ruts grow even deeper until any sense of our agency is left begging at the back door of all that has now grown impossible to imagine or even say. I am not speaking in favor of some modern improve-yourself communication technique. I am not speaking in favor of some modern improve-yourself communications technique instructing us to just lean in or out. And no, this isn't the time to look away or pretend. It is the time. It is the time to joyfully step into silence. The way a listening born of such silence transforms into consilience, transforms into consilience, able to hear the faintest stirrings of peace. This silence, this silence that nurtures, that restores our natural animal faith. This silence, this silence that nurtures and restores our natural 
animal faith. Arriving with a cargo of fresh stories, words, connections, feelings. So even far away dreams, so even far away dreams, their unmade paths can emerge more real. Now, now, freighted with a trusting heart. Freighted with a trusting heart. Now, freighted with a trusting heart. Filled with silence, this common joyful dance begins with our beautiful, damaged, and hurting world. Poems called A Workshop on Being Heard. And uh, it's a poem that, um, that I've written in the last few months. And it's a poem that I wrote. I didn't, of course, know where I was going when I started those first few lines. When others ignore us, it's tempting to speak louder or faster. The reason... I think that line, first line, came so effortlessly is that I've noticed in myself when I feel like my speaking is not getting traction, and I've noticed in others when their speaking is not getting traction or what they're writing is not getting traction, their spoken words, of course. I noticed that one of the tendencies is to either grow uh, louder um, or sometimes to speak faster or at other times to do both. And so um, it occurred to me also that this kind of um, distress that we feel, when we feel that we are saying something incredibly serious in the world, and we feel like that there are facts that really underline uh, these truths. And yet, others do not seem to uh, give our words the kind of credence, the kind of valence that we feel they deserve. And so because of that, um, we respond in these ways that turn out not to be so skillful. I, I think that's why uh, a little bit later in the first stanza, what occurred to me is that um, we speak louder and we speak faster, and um, it can just uh, shut down the ears of others. And when I'm using that metaphor about the muscle for alarm in others, that in particular can become overwhelmed. And especially as we talk about the ecological overshoot challenges that now are becoming all too known and how serious they are, that the speaking of them and the speaking of them in more often more shrill, loud, fast, 
um, inundating ways actually does just the opposite of what we intend. Actually causes others to shut down. And then um, that muscle overwhelmed can even begin to fail and ultimately to atrophy. And so how is it that this thing that we feel, this thing that we want to say, which is so important to us, so incredibly infused by reality as we see it, by the facts, and yet it doesn't seem to be landing. Now, in the second um, stanza, uh, where I talk about at other times when ignored, so at other times when we don't feel like we're getting traction, we may shrink and fall away. This is the opposite end of the spectrum, but it turns out to be, of course, just as ineffective because we're gone from the scene. I say cleave to our darkest visions. So we begin to imagine that nothing will ever change. Nothing can ever change. There is no alternative, in other words. And so we can um, cleave to our darkest visions. And, and as I say, yes, and common insecurities, because I think this brings out all our insecurities about not being enough, about not being smart enough or um, well-spoken enough or um, uh, as influencing as we would like. All those insecurities show up. And these uh, ways in which we criticize ourselves, in other words, the ruts that grow in our mind are even made deeper in these circumstances. And uh, finally, I talk about the idea that our agency is left begging at the back door because we feel like we have no agency and uh, things seem quite impossible, quite uh, unchangeable to imagine or even to say. Um, and so we move on to a kind of recommendation. After all, this poem is called A Workshop on Being Heard. And the recommendation is to stop and to slow down and to realize that human beings do not operate on logical, linear, information alone. It's important, of course. Um, analytical, reductive science, the facts that come out of that uh, are amazingly helpful, and we need them. And yet we also know that human beings, particularly in difficult situations, if our hearts are not engaged, this is one of the reasons why I love to lean on poetry. Because if our hearts, and other stories, of course, that invoke the heart, that fly under the radar screen of the strategic mind to the heart, because if the heart is not engaged, then we humans will not be able to maintain our momentum. It's been my experience and observation. If the heart is not engaged, um, the half-life of our motivation can be very short. But, but if the heart is engaged, 
uh, you know, we're unstoppable often. So I say, I'm not speaking in favor of some modern improve yourself communications technique, instructions, uh, instructing us to just lean in or lean out. I, I had to, th- those lines came to me and I remember that there was some book about lean in or something like that as though, uh, it was our individual responsibility to, to, if we just leaned in, our life would work. <laughs> and I said, and no, this isn't a time to look away or pretend. It certainly isn't that time. If we look away or if we pretend, if we stay kind of shrunk and fallen away, well, we know what's going to happen. We know what's going to happen then. But I say it is the time to joyfully step into silence, the way a listening born of such silence. See, this is the kind of listening. And I don't have a five steps to listening nirvana for you. I don't have any of that. I just have a felt experience and seeing others and hearing them talk about their felt experience that if we can come to our listening, with silence, with that kind of non-attached to being right feeling, that that will be a different kind of listening and that it will actually have others listen to us more fully, listen to our words when we feel passionate about a subject like we're talking about. So I say it's a time to joyfully step into silence the way a listening born of such silence transforms into consilience. In other words, brings um, disparate things together, brings uh, things uh, together in a kind of systemic way. And this kind of listening is able to hear the faintest stirring of peace, as the poem says. And then finally, in the last stanza, this silence that nurtures, that restores our natural animal faith. We have a faith. If our faith is simply that when we breathe in the next breath, that there will be air and oxygen there to support us, that is a kind of faith. That's a deep kind of animal faith that we all have and that we can restore with this kind of silence that I'm talking about and this kind of listening that comes out of this silence. Arriving with a cargo of fresh stories, words, connections, feelings. Here, it's, it's just the simple idea that when we are listening and when we're um, listening from this place of deep silence, that the stories that emerge, the words, the language, the new connections, the feelings, are more powerful. They simply are more powerful and we can trust them. So in the last few lines, it says, so even faraway dreams, their unmade paths can emerge more real. There's nothing, I think, more destructive 
to the heart to the heart nothing that causes more despair than to begin to um, imagine that there is no alternative to something that we find absurd and um, that is not serving us or anyone else. So that we can, if we begin to know and that there is an alternative, that we don't have to just take what is happening now. In fact, that's absurd. That there's not going to be any evolution of our economics, no evolution of how we communicate and listen to one another, no evolution in how we treat the earth, no evolution in any of that. How absurd. Of course, there are alternatives. Of course, there are. And I say in the last two lines, now freighted with a trusting heart, now freighted with a trusting heart filled with silence. That's the silence we're talking about. Now freighted with a trusting heart filled with silence, this common joyful dance begins with our beautiful, damaged, and hurting world. Now, now, freighted with a trusting heart, filled, filled with silence, this common, joyful dance begins with our beautiful, damaged, and hurting world. I find when I can invoke that kind of silence, when I can invoke that kind of presence and mindfulness, that when I can do that, I can listen more fully to myself and to others, and even to the great other. Listen even to the earth itself, to the natural world itself. And it all comes from this, this kind of silence, um, this ability to be heard. And I also, lastly, I find that to own how all these things live together, poems mentor us, I think, so wonderfully along these lines. The poetic tradition tells us that beauty and damage and hurting and joy can all be in a common dance together. A common dance together. Okay, that is a wrap. Thank you so much for your listening ear. Thank you so much. If you've learned something or been inspired, send a link to a friend or a colleague that you think might enjoy this kind of conversation, this 
kind of using poetry in very practical ways in our everyday lives. So, thank you again, and until next time, and next poems, or poem, take good care of yourself. <laughs>